Way back when I was in elementary school and learning cursive, I remember very clearly being told, You need this skill. You can't possibly expect to get good grades in high school and college if you turn in your papers written in print. Those statements followed me the next few years, especially when anyone tried to get away with writing in anything but cursive. I can very honestly say that I rarely turned in an assignment written in cursive through high school. In fact, I think I got into trouble for doing so once. And I have never turned in a handwritten assignment in college. Thank goodness, because nobody would be able to read it. You know, I guess writing and language in general change. Sometimes for the better, like we're no longer complimenting our acquaintances on their fancy Galagaskins. But sometimes for the worse, like saying this podcast is lit. No matter your favorite slang or the expanse of your vocabulary, you've got to admit, English is weird. You're listening to A Degree in Nonsense. I'm Josh Hobbs. I feel there's value in useless but fun information. Unfortunately, it won't pay your bills. So, in this podcast, I share random but interesting things I take the time to learn. Essentially, I waste time so you don't have to. Here we go. Listen to this. Oft shul shaving shiadhan a threatum monichum maithum meo de settler oft teich. Sithen arras ver fair shift wunden. Hedas werks under wokenum werthmundum dach. Sounds pretty cool. Kind of wish I could speak that language, right? What is it? Some Scandinavian language? Eastern European? What if I told you that this was English? I'm serious. But yeah, it's Old English. Being specific, it's the Western Saxon dialect of Old English. Now, initially Old English was written with runes. Then eventually a Latin-based alphabet with only 24 letters. It looks like they were missing J, K, Q, V, and Z, and had three additional letters we don't have today. But man, then they couldn't have said, The quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog which is called a panogram, by the way. A sentence that contains every letter in the alphabet. It's also called a hollow alphabetic sentence and is used when reviewing or producing typefaces, fonts, practicing writing or typing, and to test typing equipment. Three more quirky examples. How vexingly quick daft zebras jump. Two driven jocks help fax my big quiz. Watch Jeopardy, Alex Trebek's fun TV quiz game. Not a sponsor. Speaking of typing, why is the QWERTY keyboard laid out the way it is? You know, the QWERTY keyboard, the keyboard you probably text with every day because the first five letters are Q, W, E, R, T, and Y. Why isn't it the ABCADA keyboard? Or would it be pronounced the ABCADA? But seriously, doesn't it kind of make sense to lay the keys out alphabetically? Well, initially it was. The first typewriter was made by Christopher Scholes, a newspaper editor and printer in 19th century America. The original versions had the keys arranged in a long single line alphabetically. Eventually they were compressed into the three rows we know and in the bizarre arrangement we know. But why? Is this the most efficient and ergonomic arrangement for our fingers? Well, no. Here's what Mental Floss says about it. 
Is there any proof that QWERTY is the optimal keyboard arrangement? Not a shred. In fact, all evidence points to QWERTY being terribly inefficient. The most accessible row on the keyboard is the second or home row. So it would make sense if the most commonly used letters in the English language were there, right? But that's not how QWERTY rolls. About 70% of words in English can be typed using the letters D, H, I, A, T, E, N, S, O, R. Yet only four of those ten letters fall on QWERTY's home row. The letter A falls on the home row, the only vowel to do so, but it must be struck with what for most typists is the weakest finger, the left pinky. The arrangement was actually purposeful in order to separate the most commonly used letters to slow down fast typists, to prevent the jamming that occurred on early typewriters. But as Webopedia puts it, there is no evidence to support this assertion, except that the arrangement does in fact inhibit fast typing. Let's get off grammar and words and whatnot for a bit. Let's talk accents. Yeah, I've got an American accent. Actually, always wished I had a New Zealand or Australian accent, if I'm honest. But I speak in what would more specifically be called the general American accent, as I sound obviously different from the stereotypical southern accent or the Fargo accent, don't you know? But even in the general American accent, there are regional differences. Do you want to test how good you are at recognizing accents? I need to tell you about IDEA. The International Dialects of English Archive, or IDEA, is an organization that has an immense collection of recordings from English speakers all across the globe, more than 170 hours worth as a central source to all the various dialects and accents. Well, here's a story for you. Sarah Perry was a veterinary nurse who had been working daily at an old zoo in a deserted district of the territory. So she was very happy to start a new job at a super private practice in Northern, in North Square near Duke Street Tower. You can search by using an interactive map, by navigation through narrowing regional selections, or simply by using the search bar, not only for location, but also occupation, ethnicity, gender, age, and the like of the speaker. When the sunlight strikes raindrops in the air, they act as a prism and form a rainbow. The rainbow is a division of white lights into many beautiful colors. Every audio segment comes with a thorough description about the speaker. In addition to the main collection of speakers reading a pre-written story, they also have oral histories, phonetic transcriptions, audio tests to see how well you know your accents, and so much more. I like to play this little game where I have a friend choose a random location and then find a random audio clip and see if I can guess the location correctly. Not to brag, but it turns out I'm pretty good. I was even able to differentiate between Colorado and Utah speakers. The website is actually frequently used by actors to better get the feel of a foreign accent. The founder of IDEA, Paul Meyer, is a dialect coach for stage and cinema productions and a leading figure in that realm. Really cool guy. We'll make sure to link the website in the show notes. Not only are accents different, even across America, but words are different regionally. Do you say soda, pop, soda pop, coke, or soft drink? Business Insider has an article with 22 maps showing regional differences in words used. I want to highlight a few. 
In much of the West, in the very Northeast, people say crayon, while much of the East says crayon. Up near the Great Lakes, they say crown, and speckled through the states, people say crayon. Much of the West and Midwest use caramel, while a lot of the Eastern states say caramel. There's of course also crawfish, crayfish, and crawdad. Water fountain, drinking fountain, and bubbler. Contribution of Eastern Wisconsin and Rhode Island. Do you remember how all your teachers used to be like, Excuse me, funner is not a word. Check the dictionary, you won't find it. I believe the words you are looking for are more fun. Maybe you share this memory, but I remember when it was officially in the latest dictionary and suddenly everybody was like, Whoa, I'm gonna tell my teacher it is too a word. Check the dictionary. Well, that just makes sense because language is constantly evolving. No matter how much we may dislike new grammar or new words, I've even heard people say lituation before, like a lit situation. Not gonna lie, that's pretty cringy for me. Anyways, no matter how much we may dislike the changes to our language, our resources are going to reflect these changes or else they will become less and less relevant. Dictionary.com, I'd say a more widely known dictionary than Webster's at this point, has added over 300 new words in 2019 alone. Two of these being JOMO, the joy of missing out, or as they define it, a feeling of contentment with one's own pursuits and activities without worrying over the possibility of missing out on what others may be doing. And JSYK, just so you know, just so you know. While we're on the topic of dictionary.com, did you know that they have a crossword solver? Like literally you type in the clue, enter the number of letters in the known letters, and it pulls up all the possibilities ranked from the most likely to the least likely to be the word. I'm trying it now. Crossword puzzles. I'm using USA Today's crossword puzzle for today, I guess. The ultimate word and knowledge challenge. It's loading. Here we go. Oh, gotta watch an ad. Okay. All right, let's start randomly in the middle. 35 across. Hand sanitizer victim. It's gotta be like germ. But let's see what they say on here. Hand sanitizer victim. How many letters? Four. No known letters yet. Searching. Germ. 60% confident, but also 60% confident in able. So um, let's try germ. 36 down. Distribute out. Which is going to start with an M. It's going to be male. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be male. Meat. M-E-T-E. I did not know that word. 40 across, which is going to intersect with the E. Pole workers. Elves. 45 across. Organization protesting horse racing. USTA. 60% confident. But also 60% confident in PETA. NATO. ROTC. <laughs> it's all going to come down to this. 26 down. Some IHOP employees. Ooh. No answers for that clue. Now let's see if the uh, USTA was wrong. Well, I just googled the answer and I found it was servers. And so the reason that we weren't able to get that from dictionary.com is because the answer that we put USTA was actually supposed to be PETA, apparently. So, it works. I don't want to bore you talking words too much. We've talked a bit about the youngest official words in the English language. Words do have just officially been born, but real quick, I want to spend a minute on the oldest words in the English language, as in words that have died. 
wordnick.com actually has a list of dead or dying words just for kicks. Let's look at some of the more bizarre ones. Poesilonym. I'm assuming I'm saying that right. I couldn't find a pronunciation guide. I didn't look super hard. Poesilonym, which literally is just a synonym for the word synonym. Jeremiah, a literary work or speech expressing a bitter lament or righteous prophecy of doom. Kenspeckle, same as Kenspeck, and the more common form. And according to dictionary.com, because I prefer it, conspicuous, easily seen or recognized. Terpsichore, again according to dictionary.com, since Wordnick didn't have this definition. In classical mythology, the muse of dancing and choral song. Hey, did you know that the following sentence is actually grammatically correct? James, while John had 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 a better effect on the teacher. I mean, I removed proper inflections, but I'm not lying. Let's hit on one really neat topic called lexical ambiguity. Here's how study.com explains it. Lexical ambiguity is a writing error that occurs when a sentence contains a word that has more than one meaning. The problem, which is also called semantic ambiguity, obscures the writer's intent and confuses the reader. Lexical ambiguity is sometimes used intentionally to create a pun, which is a play on words often to be funny. For example, what has four wheels and flies? A garbage truck. So, James and John are tasked with writing essays about their weekend. John writes that he had a fever, so he couldn't hang out with James. James writes that John had had a fever, so he couldn't hang out with him. The teacher likes the wording of James's essay better and gives him an A+, whilst only giving John an A. Now let's read the sentence again with proper inflection. James, while John had had had, had had, had had, had had, had had, a better effect on the teacher. Just so you know, buffalo, 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 buffalo is also grammatically correct, but I'll let you look that one up. We're just about out of time, but do you know what I think is kind of funny? Do you realize how slangy and grammatically incorrect a lot of this piece has been? Looking over my script on Google Docs, it's filled with those little blue squiggly lines, and a few of those red ones because my spelling isn't always on point, but I don't care. I think it's important to know what is termed proper English. You'll be able to get much farther in the professional world. Farther? Further? It's further. You'll be able to get much further in the professional world and make a much better impression when formality is necessary if you know it. But I've never been one to fault somebody for speaking colloquially. Sometimes I may not like a slang, of course, but the first definition of language on dictionary.com is a body of words and a system for their use common to a people who are of the same community or nation, the same geographical area, or the same cultural tradition. If you're speaking in your way and being understood, you're speaking your language. I'm not going to fault you for it. With that said, I have always been a big believer in bridling your tongue. I'm not saying that you can say whatever you want by any means. But I guess what I'm getting at is that English is the refined and orderly product of centuries of confusing changes, revisions, and bizarre history. Basically, English is weird. Just think about how many times I does not come before E without being after C. There's a couple of fun hot cocoa mugs you can buy that play on that. So just remember that. Next time you're frustrated because you're struggling to communicate something, just remember that English is strange and maybe people should learn your language. Sometimes I wish more people spoke Josh Hobbs, you know? 
That'll be this week's episode. Huge thanks to Paul Meyer for the idea audio clips. The old English reading was on a YouTube video by a channel that I don't want to try to pronounce the name of because I know I'd slaughter it, but the guy's name is Sven, so I'll post the link. The RuneScape piano music was by the YouTube channel Sheep Music Boss. Our theme music is by Blue Wednesday. I'll link all of these as well as all of our sources in the show notes. If you're enjoying what we're doing here, we'd love a review. The best place for that is going to be iTunes or Apple Podcasts. We appreciate all of you and we'll talk to you soon.